Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kyle Tolzman, and you're listening to the Against All Average podcast, the show where business owners and entrepreneurs come to learn the skills and mindset to lead exceptional lives. Today, I'm joined by the one and only Jake. I'm actually not here today because I'm trying to close a big deal. Spurly. This one's kind of weird. Jake's usually here to uh, make fun of me. Um, try to get my self-esteem as low as possible, um, make fun of my dad jokes. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what, I don't know if I can do this. This is, this is just weird, but uh, I'm excited to go today. We have an amazing guest for you guys. I'm gonna do a little sponsor plug and then we're just gonna let this one flow. When you need all things digital looking their best, call our friends at Fame Pro Services. Our friends will give you the above all average treatment with an awesome new website, custom graphics, social media management, and a full line of printing services. Fame, the trusted partner of the Against All Average podcast. All right, let's get on with it. Our guest today is the president of the Canfield Training Company. Patty Aubrey has not only overseen the growth of the publishing industry's first billion dollar brand, Chicken Soup for the Soul, but she's also created a multi-million dollar training company around the success principles of author Jack Canfield. Patty has expanded these live training and coaching programs to 108 countries and prepared thousands of emerging success trainers for professional careers in the transformational field. She is a number one New York Times bestseller. She is also the CVO for Goalfriends and is now dedicated to bringing her experience to women entrepreneurs, sales professionals, and corporate employees through live events, retreats, women's summits, and speaking engagements that teach audiences and small groups the success principles and strategic career planning. What's up, Patty? How are you? I'm Everything's good. good here. What's that? I said everything is great. Just working away like the rest of us all on Zoom doing different things. Uh, I'm hanging out actually right now in Franklin, Tennessee. So I'm typically in Santa Barbara, but I came out here. I've got a home here and I escaped the fraternity, which I call my home in Santa Barbara because of COVID. The boys are all home and um, my husband's there and too much boy energy. So I am here in my little playhouse. Yeah, you're probably actually able to get some work done, huh? Yeah, absolutely. It's so <laughs> quiet. It's amazing how productive I've been. Oh, I know. I've got a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old. And different times, it's, you know, one day I was in the middle of a podcast and my little three-year-old comes in, hey, dad, uh, I, I need help. Uh, can you cook me some mac and cheese? And I'm just like, just like, uh, you, you guys can't see me if you're just listening to this, but I'm just like, my door's to the left of me and I'm just like, ow, ow, no. And, you know, I, I, I'm like texting my wife, like, hey, could you you know, keep the kids here or there. She's like, I have no control of them right now. Just lock your door. Like, it's just like some days are just chaos around here. So uh, I sometimes I wish that I had a, another location just to, to get some work going. Um, and I also absolutely love Tennessee, um, Nashville, Memphis. I've been to a, a few cities out there and each one of them is beautiful. I love the, uh, the landscape out there. Reminds me of Oregon. So yeah. uh, uh, that's a, a nice place for you, I'm sure. Um, talk a little bit about kind of growing up. What was, 
what was life like for Patty growing up? Elementary school, middle school, high school? Did you, did you, did you have an idea what you wanted to do? Or did you kind of just uh, kind of figure out what you wanted to do by doing things you didn't want to do? What does it look like? You know, I, uh, <clears throat> I grew up in the Valley, so I'm an official Valley girl. You're probably not old enough to know that movie, but uh, they say totally a lot. And um, so I, you know, I just grew up in a very middle-class family. I have, there was four kids in the family all a year apart. I said to my mom at one point, what were you thinking? She said, we were so poor. All we did was drink beer and have sex. Well, that's <laughs> so, uh, you know, I did well in school. My brother was older than me and he was so ADD that I always felt like I had to be the perfect one because we went to Catholic school. And so I'd come into class and they'd be like, oh no, another Mitchell. And so I was already, I already had the stigma that I was gonna be a train wreck, you know? And so I sort of went through life trying to be perfect and, um, and I'm far from perfect. So uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was kind of your typical all-American family. Um, but I didn't, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be wealthy and I, I knew I, I was kind of outside the box. You know, I, when I was in school, I had, a, I had a learning disability, but I didn't know it. And so the teacher would give us homework and then I would mastermind. I would bring all these people over to my house because my mom was one of the only stay-at-home moms because we worked in a pretty working class family. So most moms weren't there. And I'd bring all my smart, I, I would collect the smart friends and I'd bring them <laughs> over. And I literally, collect, and I didn't know, collect I had, them. <laughs> I did. I didn't really know I was doing it. And I was kind of a renegade. So I wasn't really in the smart group. I was in the wild group. Right. And I'd bring over the smart kids so I could acclimate to whatever environment I was in. And my mom would make grilled cheese sandwiches and macaroni and cheese. And then I'd say, okay, now what are we working on? <laughs> Repeat it three or four times. And I would almost get them to do the work for me. And so I, I didn't realize at 12 that I was actually running a mastermind group and that I would be doing them at 50. You know, so. Oh my gosh. That, that's funny. It, it reminds me of kind of going back to my college days. It's like, well, I really haven't attended class much in the last two weeks, but I really need to pass that test. And so usually there was some sort of mastermind group and, you know, I crossed my fingers, crossed my toes and I listened to what they had to say. You know, they would come up with a, the study guide and I was just like, huh, that's what this, <laughs> that's what this class is about. Huh? <laughs> and so, I, I mean, we all, uh, I've had my ups and downs uh, when I was going through school and some things really interest, interested me and some things didn't. And what's funny is I'm currently a high school teacher. And so it all comes back. I'm an entrepreneur. I do a podcast. I coach. I do a lot of different things. Uh, but it always is funny when when some student tries to like one up you, right? They're sitting in the t the the, the the desk and they're like maybe carving something on it or they're hiding a cell phone or they doing so it's just like buddy I've been there like that was that was me like you can't trick like I was a professional slacker some years so just it's one of those things that kind of helps me along talk talk a little bit about your transition like before you were in the Canfield group what kind of jobs did you have and what led you into eventually becoming the president of the Canfield Canfield group excuse me well, what happened was, so I, I graduated high school and I went to a real small school. And the funny thing is when I was in high school, my dad said to me, you're taking typing. And I said, no, I'm not. He's like, yeah, you are. I was, he was a typist in the army and he could type like 110 words a minute on a typewriter, which is pretty hard to do when you think back. And I said, I'll have a secretary that types for me. That was my famous line to my dad. He's like, no daughter of mine is not going to know how to type. I don't care. <laughs> and, and so 
I go to college at San Diego State, which is like a giant party. And I get there, I call my parents the first week. I'm like, I'm never coming home. My dad's like, sure, wait till your laundry's due or, you know, you, need, you run out of money. And so I studied business and I, I started and I stopped and I started and I stopped. And I just, I, I hated school. I hated it most of the time. I, I got through it because I liked the social aspect, but I didn't like the school side of it. And so when I was done, I was living in LA and I met this guy and um, he was a tech guy, a real nerd. And so we moved to, we actually moved to Santa Barbara. He got a job with a company in Santa Barbara and it was in the eighties and I could not get a job. It was the weirdest thing. And I had done, I'd worked in nutraceuticals when I was in high school. My dad started a vitamin company. So I was part of that. I'd been trained on the business side really well, but I couldn't find a job to save my life. Small community. Most people don't work there. They leave to go to someplace else like Ventura, some a half an hour, hour away. You know, it's it's right. just not a lot of business in Santa Barbara. And so finally he got me a job at this tech company and the guy that my boss, what it was all, it was, we were doing change configuration management for rocket ships. So it was really interesting. <laughs> Crazy. So I was the low man on the totem pole. I was in charge of buying the donuts for the Tuesday meetings and we would bring all these nerds in that would, we had a training center there. And so then one day my boss came to me and said, Hey, listen, I'm leaving. Um, I took this Bucky Fuller class. And I'm going to become a certified trainer. I'm like, what? The only reason I'm here is because of you. Right. And so he said, you should come and do one of the workshops. And so I went and reluctantly, it was like $279, which was a lot. And my husband at the time, that's crazy. What are you doing? Why are you spending the money? All that stuff. But I went and so I set a goal and I was making about, I don't know, $14,800 a year at the time. And I set a goal to make $25,000 a year. And I like, don't worry about the how, just write down what you want. You know, today I'd say write down 25 million. And so I write down 25,000. <laughs> I go through this workshop. I, I got a little bit out of it, not a whole lot. And then my husband at the time wanted to get into sales and they just wouldn't let him. They're like, you're a nerd. You're not in sales. And so I called a friend of mine and said, hey, um, I think we might move back to LA. Can my husband sell cars for your car dealership? Like, he just has to have some sales experience. She's like, sure, bring him in. It's commission only. It's not a problem for us. And so I went down and I started looking in the LA Times. There was no internet at the time. And I just saw this one ad and it stuck out 25,000 a year. It said secretary wanted. It's like, ah, I don't ever want to be a secretary because I played that role at my dad's company and it was... I worked for a guy that was really intense and I, God bless him now because he taught me a lot. So I thought, well, for 25,000 a year, call me whatever you want, just pay me. I just, I just wanted to make money and have a job. Right. And so I answered the ad and uh, turned out that it was Jack. I had no idea that it, he was nobody at the time, really. He was also teaching teachers on how to facilitate self-esteem in the classroom. And so we had a couple educational books and we had a curriculum guide. That was our big seller, selling a curriculum guide on self-esteem to teachers. And so I went in for the interview and he called me back and said, you know, uh, we're going to go with somebody a little bit more mature. I'm like, well, that's a hearty foul. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Mature. I said, uh, yeah. you might not put to anybody else because that's kind of a good slot. So I, I just, I didn't care. I got a job in Beverly Hills with a design company and I immediately got promoted to the Western regional manager. And literally the day after I got promoted, Jack called me and said, you know what? The scale didn't work out. I don't know why, but you keep popping into my head. I think you should come back and talk to me. I said, okay, but it will cost you because it, you know, I won't come for less than 30,000. Right. He's like, 
well, come down and see me. At the time, I'm making like 18,000. So I went and interviewed with them and I took the job and um, I started out as a secretary. And it was, a, it was very soon after that, that he came into the office and said, you know, I tell these stories and people say, is that story in a book? And we had, we had a, a audio cassette called the 10 Steps of Success and it was with Nightingale Conant. And, and he would say, we have an audio program. And a lot of the women would say, but I'm in and out of my car and you know, I, I'm busy all day with the kids, but I just like to read at night. Right. I think God's trying to tell us to put a book together. And I said, all right. And the other guy in the office was like, you guys are crazy. This will kill your career. You'll never get into corporate. <laughs> and it was like completely against it. And I, I was 24, so I had no opinion. Right. And so I, I said, yeah, I'll do it with you. And I had my little Mac 20, you know, that had the tiny little screen. Right. And so I, and I wasn't using it at work. They were using PCs. And so he went away for a week or something. And I, I, I'm starting to look through all the bills. I'm seeing these ridiculous bills for this guy that's programming the software. I'm like, why? I, I can do that. And so I just thought, I'm just going to export all the software. I'm going to throw it into Apple and just I'll write my own code for a financial program so I could do accounting. And he came back and I had this whole new setup. He said, what is that? I said, well, we spend like 30000 a year for this guy. And for 7000 we have a laser printer now. We have a Mac. We have, you know, we're networked. He's like, oh. And so it, it, for the first time in my life, I actually had freedom because he was gone so much that I didn't have somebody looking over my shoulder and telling me what to do. And so I just, I loved it. And I, I just went crazy. And from there, I became the vice president of the company. And then chicken soup happened. And because I was the only person that could get along with our publisher, I ended up being the president of Chicken Soup for the Soul. <laughs> and so it was kind of organic, but uh, it was just one of those really defining moments in your life. You know, as I had, and th that same friend that hired my husband said, I can put you in finance, you'll make 80 to 100,000 a year right off the bat. And yeah. something inside just said, no, just, just go this way. And I, I listened and my dad was pissed. He's like, you're gonna go work for a hippie? I sent you to college to major in business. He said a, a few choice words. And so Jack was the hippie. And I said, well, the hippie went to Harvard. Maybe I'll get a Harvard education for free. And so I did it. And um, that was 31 years ago, actually. Wow. That's, it, it's kind of crazy. Those different, those different points of our life that kind of change our trajectory. I was thinking back, like I used to work for a marketing company who had large contracts with Nike. And so I used to go high school to high school and test athletes. And we would basically be promoting all of Nike's training uh, equipment. And then 2008, 2009 show up. I'm without a job really, really quick. And I, I talked to my students a lot about this. It's the lowest time of my life, but was like what I think of as the pinnacle of kind of the come up. And it was like, I was working from 4 a.m. to noon in a call center. Wow. I was working for an unnamed uh, phone company where you had to recharge their phones. I processed credit cards. I processed 100 credit cards every day, 4 a.m. to noon. And I was just, I was so depressed. I was so down in the dumps of like, is this all I'm kind of built for? And thankfully... Uh, you know, I had the support of my parents. I could move back in with them and uh, went back and got my master's in teaching and was able to coach and was able to start uh, a variety of businesses. But we always kind of think back and man, that's, that's just, I don't know, your, your story just kind of, kind of hits me in the feels because it's, 
it's one of those times where you're like, wow, that was actually the point that changed the trajectory of my entire life. And for you, it's kind of like that feeling of freedom. And what you used with that freedom is you started to build something and you started to add value to that company. Jack comes back. He's like, holy shit, you put all of this together and you're saving me $30,000. I, I, he can't help but keep you around. Right. <laughs> pretty wow. much, pretty much. It was, uh, it was interesting. I mean, when I got there, they had, they had this older woman, she was typing all the invoices over and over again. And he had one of those overhead projectors that you saw probably when you were in school. Right. And the, he had markers. And I said, you know, if you're going to up-level your game, you got to use PowerPoint. It's like, what's PowerPoint? And so I took all the slides, made them into PowerPoint. That, that was back in the day where I would be creating slides if we were running a training. And then I would I'd have to take the phone and put it on the modem and send the slides out to a company. And then you get them the next day via FedEx. And you would oh. hope, hope, hope hope that that modem didn't drop in the middle of the night because it took all night to send those files. It was, it was so insane when I think back about how we did things. And it, you know, it wasn't easy. I mean, just like 2008, when we first started working together, that, full, that first Gulf War hit in 89, like 90, 91, and our business went away. I mean, people just, we hadn't seen a war in so long. People stopped flying. They were canceling events. And so we, we were really starving, honestly. We couldn't pay our bills. I was renegotiating rent you know, with the, the guy that owned the building. I, I couldn't even, I literally tell the story all the time, but we couldn't afford toner. And we, had to, we were trying to print out stories and try to do this book. And without toner, you can't print. And so I'm renegotiating with them. We owed so much, like tens of thousands of dollars in toner. I'm like, we're good for it. And just having to really... Um, life had to, it was right there. It's like nothing was going to be done for you. We were just kind of navigating our way through this new thing. And so we were just making it up as we went along and we made every mistake on the planet, but we were working, you know, I, I drove an hour and a half each way to work because where the office was. So I'd come in at six and leave at nine or 10 at night. And, um, we just were grinding it out. And, uh, it was, but it was, you know, those days were really fun when I look back. I mean, they really, that hard work, that ability to believe in something that if you just keep going, if you persevere and you don't stop, you might just get there. And for us, we, we couldn't stop because there was nothing else to go back to. It right. wasn't like a side hustle today where you're like, oh, I'll just go suffer through my day job. <laughs> right. called- I'll just go suffer. <laughs> it's chill. It's chill. It, it's, it is what it is. I'll, I'll just go suffer. Exactly. <laughs> you, you talk about that period during the Gulf War and, and nobody's buying from you and, and you're, you're, you're fighting tooth and nail and wow, things have come full circle. We're in a, another interesting time right now. Did your, experience, did your experience back then figuring it out and fighting and being in a rough period of time help you pivot right now to what you guys are doing with your company? Absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing for everybody is mindset. And so as we were going through that thing, we never, ever talked about what if it doesn't work or all the things that were wrong. We had a huge giant conference room and we would just take those little yellow stickies and we'd write ideas and we had them all over the wall and we just focused on what we wanted, what our goals were. And, you know, when we did chicken soup, 
we, we didn't know that you should probably have a plan if you're going to write a book that maybe somebody might want to read it. And right. so we knew that they would, we knew that the book would be good because Jack and Mark were telling the stories everywhere. We had a, a stable of people that would read every story and grade it. So I had an Excel spreadsheet with an average on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the best, you know, gave you goosebumps, made you cry, whatever. So we, we had a lot of evidence that we were on the right path, but we didn't know for sure. And then we went to sell the book. We gave it to our agent who we found through someone. And he literally gave us the book back and said, I'm sorry, I can't sell your book. America wants blood and guts. Nobody wants this nicey, nice stuff. Thank God he gave us the book back. Because if I think of the hundreds of millions, if we had to pay him 15%, I'd be really mad. So we got the book back and then we just started shipping out manuscripts to different people. And, and um, we got, we ended up with a very small publisher out of Deerfield Beach. But it's, it's very much like today, you know, everyone's like, well, what if this happens? Like, well, what if it doesn't? So have plan B called, maybe it's going to not work, but focus on plan A and right. visualize it, write it down, share it with everybody. You never know who's out there that can support you. And so often we keep our goals and our dreams to ourselves. You might have a vision board or something, but we're not sharing it. And so we're not, we're not saying it out loud. We're not letting it vibrate into the universe. We're not letting other people hear it. You know, all of us want to help each other, but we can't help each other if we don't know that you need help. And so, right. you know, it's, but and I'm not saying COVID's not tough. It's brutal. Um, it's, it's been tough. We had tons of, um, live events that we had contracts for. And so we had to just make it up. So we made up this club. We have about 600 members in this club and it's, we, we've had 67,000 posts in three and a half weeks in our community, which is intense. But we just know if we go the extra mile and we really deliver that we'll come out okay. And, and that's how we're trying to hold our, hold the space. You know, it's, and, and I really like something that you just said. If you, it's the plan A, plan B thing. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a burn the boats type of person. Like you have to have some understanding of how you're going to pay your bills, right? And, and always try to put as much emphasis on plan A, you know, 90-10 or 95-5, whatever it may be. But I really like what you said there is putting your idea out into the universe. I think it's too many times when people have that plan B, is they forget to ask. And they, they, they're so looking at like, oh my gosh, how am I gonna do that? Instead of back against the wall, let's go. And who in my Rolodex, who in my master spreadsheet can help me out? And you're right, everybody just wants to help each other out. And the, the, the strongest entrepreneurs are those who give. And so I just, I wanted to reiterate that point. So, so important. Well, it's, it's kind of my mantra, you know, when I was growing up, my dad would always say, it's not what you know, it's who you know, and never burn a bridge. And so as fate would have it, I end up partnering with the guy that knows everything. And I know everyone. And I'm the obnoxious one. He's much more of an introvert. And so I would, I would just go out. I mean, I would sell books at swap meets. Like I would have them in the back of my Dodge Colt, the hatch open, like yeah. trying to hawk chicken soup books and <laughs> to run from me like this woman's nuts you know and and even my friends would say you know come over time but can you not talk about that thing that you're working on because it was a different field it was woo woo and but then once it all worked then they're like oh this is my friend patty she's the president of chicken soup then it was okay to i was accepted you know 
but you have to just, you know, we, I was listening to Seth Godin last week. He was one of my um, presenters for the Transformational Leadership Council, which I'm part of. And he said, we all have two voices in our head. We all have imposter syndrome. Just admit it. If you don't, you're a sociopath. But you have to choose the voice that's going to best support your future. And, and Lisa Nichols was after him. And she said, we often forget that fear and worry are not a spiritual practice. You know, fear and worry are not spiritual practices and they don't get us where we want to go. And so it's, it's kind of interesting how, how we pulled it off, but it's, it's been a great ride. And, um, and today my whole, everything that I do is all about believe it's possible. If it was possible, what would it look like? And dream big, you know, it, we actually did an infomercial called dream big with, um, when the secret came out, it, you know, that was the first time I had I didn't know anything about the law of attraction. I was doing it, but I didn't know about it. Right. And I was at, I was at a meeting and Jack said, we have to go watch this movie. And I said, I don't want to watch a movie. We're in Mexico. I want to drink tequila and jump on my bed. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm home alone and I want to party. Yeah. So just watch the movie and, and like five minutes into that movie, I saw this little girl looking through this jewelry store window, like dreaming. And I, it hit me. I never, ever in my life worried once that I wouldn't have diamonds. I have so many diamonds, I don't know what to do with them. Mm -hmm. I just dreamed about them. I draw them out. I put on fake things. I try my grandma's and I went, I mean, as shallow as that one moment in the movie was, it really got to me. And I was like, oh my God, you really do get what you focus on. And so after that movie, I said, let's, let's create a vision board, you know, because people are making vision boards and they look like ransom notes. And so I was, I designed a vision board with an artist and I went to my son's soccer game. He was in sixth grade and there was a new kid in town and he went to this little private school. And um, one of the dads said, what are you working on? And I easily could have said, oh, the usual. I said, you know, I'm working on this cool thing. It's a vision board that we're going to have this book called the law of attraction and a journal that people could you know, write down all the things that they want that's on their vision board and that when they get them, they can really like, we call it like the law of attraction evidence board. And, he's, and he said, well, y'all, he's from like Virginia. He goes, well, if y'all want, I'll shoot it in commercial for y'all fund the whole thing. And I went back to my office and I said, what? hey, Jack, we're going to do an infomercial with a guy that did George Foreman grill and he's funding it. He goes, you should go to more soccer games. I'll never say not to go to a soccer game ever again, as long as I live. And we created this amazing <laughs> But again, it's like, share your story, share your vision. And, and you never know who's sitting right on your front porch. Yeah, it's, it's, that's such a cool concept too. It's a, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, he, he just got lucky. She just got lucky. And what you're talking about right now is you are prepared for that situation. Like you had been working your tail off. You, you knew everything about the book and, and, and everything that was going into the storyboarding. Like you knew it and you could talk confidently. To me, that's being prepared. Talk about any of the other situations you can think of where you're just in the right spot at the right time, but you've been working your ass off for so long that it's just like, I can easily just talk about this and someone's like, wow, that's a cool idea. I want to be on board. You know, I think the biggest thing is for, and I was talking about this earlier today with some people that I was consulting with, they're starting a new business and you honestly have to believe it to see it. And, you know, our, our mantra when we're little, our parents are like, oh, you know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, when I see it, I'll believe it. It's like, no, it's the opposite. You have to believe it. You have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in your message. 
and you have to be grounded because as speakers or authors or coaches or anything else, 85% of what you say is how you show up. And so if, if you have a, it's like if you go get around a horse or a dog, if they know you're nervous, they're going to be a little bit more skittish. And so you have to create the confidence or the, or the enthusiasm, which is why I think passion and purpose are so important to align with. I mean, if you can monetize that, then you're golden because you believe in it because you're so passionate. And so it's really important to do that. And unfortunately, the only way to really create confidence and self-esteem is by surviving a risk, you know, by taking the action and surviving. There's really no other way to, to I wish I could just sit in a room and listen to a teacher and go, oh, I have, I'm full of self-esteem and I'm totally confident, but it's just not like that. And so it really is, we have to lean into things. And, you know, we, we had our ups and downs and we navigated them. And at, sometimes we took pay cuts and other times we were able to give ourselves more, but we also survived 2008. We were in the middle of a huge um, sale of Chicken Soup for the Soul. We were selling it to an investment firm. And, you know, we, we had this huge vision. We're going to get a hundred million dollars and all the banks start closing. I'm like, oh my God, because now my mind's already done. Like I've been writing stories for 18 years. I'm over it. You know, when you, when you start reading stories and you feel jaded, it's time to let it go and right. to go to somebody bigger. And I think a lot of times we, we try to force like, no, I got to stick it out. And it's the universe saying there's something more for you now. It's time to, to let go and, and move on. And so we, we were, uh, we, I was in Hawaii actually, and it was, it was in April and I called my CEO and like, how's the deal going? He's like, Oh, another bank just dropped out. And so the, sometime during that day, I said, please tell me this deal is going to close. And he said, it better close. I haven't showered in four days. I will hang myself in my own shower if it doesn't close. And so I'm like, <laughs> on the beach. My kids are little and they're in the ocean. And, and I get a phone call and he said, uh, you know, the deal's done. And I was wow. like, Oh my God. I said, kids, go to any hotel you want. We'll go pool jumping. Like I'll get a room at every hotel. I was so excited. And oh, I, wow. and, and it was funny because, um, Jack and I, we would go to Maui a lot for the battle Riders conference. And we were over there at one point and I was in the store and I saw this watch that I wanted. And I said, Oh my gosh, there's this watch like 65 grand. I would never buy it, but it's so awesome. I just want you to see it. He said, you know what? Just put on your vision board. And you know, someday if we make more than 10 million in one day, I'll buy you the watch. And I said, okay, wait. And I made him sign a sticky that said, I, Jack Campbell will buy Patty Aubrey, the Rolex watch, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and he dated it. It was April 8th, 2004 when I found it. And so, and I didn't have a vision board then. So I put it on my kid's homework board. I put it on my mirror in my bathroom when I was getting ready in the morning. I kept that thing everywhere I went. And so we sold the company, I was on Maui. And so I, I called him, I said, I have good news and great news. And he said, really? I said, the good news is you should check your Schwab account. He's like, well, what is the great news? I said, I'm at the Rolex store. <laughs> and he's like, oh, crap. <laughs> he's, I finally had to own up. All day before I buy that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so, and I really honestly thought I'm never going to have that, but I can dream about it. Right. And, and then I, and I got it. And I wear it every day. I never take it off because it reminds me that anything is possible. If I could close a deal for close to, you know, hundred million dollars in 2008, I mean, anybody, I, I should have given up, but again, it was like, no way we're going to keep going. We've been working on this for two years. Who cares what else is out there? I don't care what anybody else says. We got to make it happen. And, and we pulled in the right people that were able to support us because we couldn't have done it alone. 
and what's so incredible to this to me about your story is it's because you gain the confidence from taking a risk and going on the other side. Yeah. And, and truly, there is no other way to, to gain confidence and be sure of yourself. You actually have to do it. And I'm one of those people that has to do it. That's why I was, I'm, I'm horrible in the classroom as far as sitting in a seat and learning that way, because I always have to learn by doing. And it's almost to a, to a fault because like... If I could just watch a video and do something, it would have saved me hours and hundreds of dollars. But I think there's part of the entrepreneur mind or the, the part of the entrepreneur soul that you've got to learn by doing. You've got to get your hands dirty and your feet wet and just kind of roll through it. Because if you don't, there's not going to be enough confidence to take that even bigger risk to take the bigger step as you're growing and, and your company is going to need a new version of yourself as you grow. So, so awesome. Yeah, it's so true. And I think the, I think as entrepreneurs, we, most of us have a little bit of ADD. And for me, I had to hear it, see it, touch it, which was why our partnership was so great because Jack's such a great teacher. And so it was, that part was great. But we also need those people that can execute. And so one of my challenges over the last several years since we sold the company was I come up with a new idea and then everybody runs for the hills because it's like, oh crap, here she goes again. And, and so I had to learn to like, okay, I have an idea. Now I'm going to go to my chief operating officer and say, help me noodle this out so I don't scare the heck out of people, which I have a tendency to do. And then he kind of helps me make it more linear and then I can present it to the team. And, and I, I used to assume as a young entrepreneur that you, you should just get it. And then I would tell myself a story, you don't trust me, I've made hundreds of millions of dollars, why not? And I'd run down the rabbit hole of, for me. And what I had to realize was I was just going so quickly that even Jack said at one point, he's like, listen, I trust you, but your brain works so fast, I have to catch up. So give me a week, let me like digest it, let me meditate on it. And then I'll come back to you. And I was like, oh, we should have had this conversation about 10 years ago. <laughs> it would have saved a lot of points. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But, but it's, you know, I, I think as disruptors, sometimes we feel like we're an alien or we're a pain in the butt. But someone has to own that disruption. And, and if you can do it gracefully, it's great. But it's important because it's the only way to really grow and go to what's next without seeing it. You know, I can come up with something and not have to look around and see who else is doing it because I always look for the intention inside and I, I, I look for guidance and I, I look for that inspired idea and then I have to take the inspired action. And so it's, it's a different process. And I think it's frustrating for a lot of entrepreneurs because there's a lot of people out there now that are entrepreneurs and with our technology, anybody can be an entrepreneur, but you have to know your strengths and your weaknesses and it's, it's really important, I've learned this, it took me a long time, to appreciate the differences. I don't need a bunch of people like me. If I did, it would be chaos central. Right. I need the other side of the accounting linear brain and you know, prepping and how to do it. And I, you know, now that I'm 55, I've kind of figured out the other side, but for a while it was frustrating and, and hard and, and it doesn't need to be. You just need to find those people that fit in because as a teacher, you know, you, know, you want to get an A in math doesn't mean you're going to get an A in history or an A in English. It's not the way we're made up. And so it's important not to 
put yourself down, but to look at, all right, well, who can join me that can really help me take this to the next level? Yeah, I think all everybody's a little different, right? Everybody's, you have the loud friend, you have the quiet friend, you have the sometimes reserved, like you have all these different types of people. Yeah, and if I had people that were like me, things would, you know, shit would hit the fan quick, right? Uh, I'm sort of like you, just like, I have an idea. I'm going to go do it by lunch. Like, who's coming with me? And like for the first, you know, two, three years, it's just like, blah, 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 blah. And I need it done by two o'clock. And everybody's just looking at me crazy. It's just like, so what are we doing again? It just like slow down and like think through it. But, you know, for, for folks like me, you know, I'm pretty ADD. I, I kind of bounce all over the place. I could be doing this. And then I'm going to go play recess aid in the street to my, my little kids. And I'm going to hop in the car, go over there and go, go on a motorcycle ride. And then, then a hike. And that's like completely normal to me. My wife looks at me just like, can you breathe you in there? <laughs> can, can you breathe? Like what's going on in there? You, you haven't blinked. You haven't blinked in like five minutes. Like calm down. I'm agreeing with you. Like I'm agreeing with you. Just blink, take a breath, calm down. So it's, it's so funny, you know, relationships or, or business relationships or, or people that are on your team. It's funny. You got to really get to know them and how they tick and how they want to operate because sometimes I can just create anxiety around me if I'm not clear, concise, I speak it, I write it down, give it in different formats so that everybody can understand. And that's the, that's the teacher in me trying to deliver my message in a way uh, that everybody can understand it. And you can get your whole team all fired up around you about the idea, but trying to do that by 2 PM is, uh, is a recipe for disaster. As you know, my son would say that's a little excessive mom. And I, my mom, well, I get it from my mom. My mom's an insurance agent and she'd come back home after a day of selling and just be like, blah, 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 blah. Did you do this? Did you do that? Pick up your shoes. And I'm just like, mom, you're home now. You can breathe. It's fine. And she just shut up, Kyle. You know, she get, she get all, she get all pissed. Just like, shut up. Just like, but seriously, like you're, you're creating anxiety for me. And I think it's important for us to know that if we are a visionary and we want to do great and big things, you got to think through them a little bit. And more importantly, think of how you can deliver them and figure out what pieces you need to that puzzle that can complete that overall vision. So it's not just a shit show, but it's like an incredible work of art because at the end of five days, maybe seven days, whatever a reasonable timeline is, uh, everybody's more bought into it and you get everybody, everybody rowing in the same direction, so to speak. Yeah, that, that enrollment skill is really, really a big piece of success for sure. And it's, it's not, it wasn't easy for me to learn that. It was, it was hard, honestly. It caused a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. And, um, and I have learned the hard way on how to do it now. And I've also learned even though I didn't deliver it right, to still stick to my dreams. You know, right now we have a lot of online programs. And if we didn't have those programs, we would be out of business. And right. I had this inspired idea. I was in the Middle East. I'm like, we should create a training program. That's a certification because all these people won't come to the Middle East. And so I, I'm all excited. You know, I'm like, Jack, we're going to create this training certification. We're going to certify people on the road. It's like, whoa, 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 back up. And, uh, and everybody said it'll never work and it can't work. And, and I, I spent two years making it work. And, and now today, thank God it works and it, it, it's, it, it's great. And everybody's grateful now, but I, that project probably was like 2013, 
13, 14. That was the one that really taught me a lot of life lessons. And talking about that a little bit, do you almost like, do you almost have a thirst for that? For somebody to tell you, you can't do something so that you do it? Like, do you have that? Do you have some attachment to people telling you no, and you can't do that? And you're just gonna get after it? Yeah, I mean, you know, my mom used to say to me when I was younger, honey, would you rather be right or happy? Um, But when I, you know, in certain moments, and it's typically when I'm sitting still and I'm and I'm doing my meditation, I'm take caring, taking care of my health and I'm really grounded, that's when I get ideas. And those are the ones that kind of stick. And the day that I had this idea to do this program, I was, we were doing, we were training trainers to teach the success principles. We were doing it live. We could only do 60 people a year. And, and that was our, that was what happened after 2008. We sold our company and we sat around for a year looking at each other like we were weird and we didn't know what to do with anything. It was bizarre. You know, you're no longer the chicken soup people. You have this attachment to this identity. And so we really had to regroup and kind of figure it out. And so we, I said, let's train people like we used to train teachers. And, and let's, now we have this background and this brand. We have some legitimacy. We could probably get them in the room. And so we started doing that. We did it for four or five years. And I thought, let's shoot, let's shoot like a two camera shoot. Let's just shoot the whole three week training. My God, it's huge. And then when I went to the Middle East, it was like day 15 of trainings. And I was teaching small groups. Jack was teaching big groups. And then one day I didn't have a class. So I went to his and I'd heard the talk 8 million times. And I sat in there and I thought, why am I here? Oh my God, why am I here? And in the meditation, I had this download of the whole picture and what it looked like. And so I knew as much as I knew chicken soup was going to work, that this was going to work. I just didn't know how to articulate it properly at the time. And so that's where I think um, I could have had it done more quickly if I had. It could have been more fun for me, for sure. And uh, and, and we would have gotten to market even sooner. But today we have 4,000 trainers around the world. It's generated millions of dollars. And it's, it's a a killer product for people to learn how to really share a message. And, and just, sorry about that. Are you, are you guys still working on that as well? Training trainers? We still are. We're, we're training speakers, authors, trainers. So basically I used to sit in the back of the room and you're, you're a teacher. So you probably get this differently. But for me, like you said earlier, I got to touch it, feel it, understand the why behind it. Like I just don't get it that quickly. And so by creating this product, I realized that there's a formula and there's five key steps to every topic that you talk about. So if we talk about a principle, we have a stat, we have an example, we have an exercise, we have a story that wraps it up and we have a transition. And when I got that, I, I went, oh my God, this is, this is like baking a cake. And so it, it became easier. So in having it online creates huge scalability. Anybody can buy it around the world. So that was, that was um, kind of how that went. And so we're still doing it. It's great. We get, I get essays in the mail on email every day saying, you know, they have to take it. They have to write essays to take a test to get certified. And they always freak out about the test. I have to say, I made the test. It's the only test I've ever made. Don't worry. You're going to pass. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. We're, we're just going to check you off for this one. Yeah, um, well, anybody that wants, that wants to make a difference in the world, but maybe doesn't have the content, you know, that wants, has a desire to inspire. It could be a right. teacher. It could be a parent. It could be anybody really. And so it's much more of a mass market kind of product. Right. And you've worked alongside Jack for a long time and uh, for a long time, excuse me. 
And I was reading on your website about goal friends. Mm -hmm. What's what's goal friends all about and how did the idea come up and who's your target market? So basically we have this kind of slogan for women who want more and it's kind of an umbrella. And one of the products is goal friends and it's, it's a year long program and they get a workbook. It's $97. Uh, one of my partners came up with the idea and it, it's a, it's a cool little brand. It's got a high heel on the cover. You know, it's women only and it, and it, it's great. So anybody can go to goalfriends.com and order a workbook and they can start their own group. It's like a mastermind group, but it gives you a workbook that says, here's what you're going to do. The first thing you do is your bucket list, kind of like a vision board. And then the next month you do something else. And so it's, it's kind of guided, but it's also a way for women to connect. It's kind of like Mary Kay meets self-help, if, huh. if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And um, it, it, I call it like the chicken soup of self-help for women because it's so mass marketable. Yeah, and you, you, it's a, fa a franchisable, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it's a franchise. How many different, or how do you go about picking amazing franchise owners to, to make sure that they're delivering your message in an, eth in an ethical way? We actually don't. We have 300 groups right now, and we don't really care. We just want them to get together and create a community of like-minded women that are positive. And so often, you know, women are the last ones to sort of speak up, and, and they usually get together and drink wine and talk about their husbands. And so we wanted to create more, <laughs> at least I did. And so we wanted no, no, to- No, that's true around my house too. No, that's true. <laughs> that's true. When, I, when I'm upstairs, I assume I'm being talked about and there's definitely wine being drank. Yeah. And, and, and my latest project actually is called Permission Granted, which is a book I'm launching tomorrow. And, and Woo. yep, I, find, I got my first copy in the mail. Um, I'm oh, really excited. It's awesome. so weird. My, my first book ever without a man's name on it. So um, Sense of pride there, right? Yeah. And it's, and it's all about discover how life changes when you give yourself permission to show up. And for me, I was invisible for so long. You know, I, I was, I was the strategist, I was the business partner, but I wasn't Jack or Mark on stage, although I was running marketing and production and accounting and all the stuff. But I, I, and I even wrote 14 chicken soup books myself and literally Kyle, if I got in a limousine or a car and the driver said, what do you guys do? I would clam up and Jack would be like, oh, I'm a best-selling author. And, and I'd be like, I'm nothing. Right. Because I always gave him the credit. And my mom was dying like six years ago. And she said on her deathbed, promise me that you will not hide behind that man. The two of you made this together. He had a Dodge van. You had a Dodge Colt. You did it together. You need to give yourself permission to accept your success. And and be able to help other people accept theirs. And so this product has been on my heart for six years. And I procrastinated until the cows came home to the point where it was like, there was nothing left on Netflix. I had to finish it. <laughs> so You're just binged out. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm like, I know I had that project. I know there's 20 co-op, you know, there's 20 contributors. I know they're all waiting. And I just, I don't know what it was. I just really procrastinated, but we finished it. We're launching it tomorrow. And my message now is really just show up. And, and it's like we were talking about earlier, you know, in the beginning, it feels weird and different. Like you're bragging or you're doing something and it's uncomfortable. It's just like riding a bike. Everything we do today that we haven't done before is going to be uncomfortable. And then one day you wake up and it's not. And so my big message is give yourself permission to be seen and show up. And when you show up, 
you'll change the lives of others and in whatever way that looks like. I mean, we all know that party you didn't want to go to or that one thing you had to do and you think, wow, if I hadn't gone, I wouldn't have met that person or, or that person would, wouldn't have heard my message and all kinds of crazy stuff is happening right now. And, and I've been pushing it away for a long time because I'm, like, I'm busy over here. I'm busy. You know, I, I got to run this. And, and the universe was like making it harder and harder for me to run anything. And the minute I sent that book to press, everything opened up, people were calling. It was, I, I, okay, God, don't drive the truck through my window. I don't need it. I'm getting the message. <laughs> you felt like you could breathe again. You were getting sleep again. Yeah, Bird, and, and, the birds and were chirping again. Absolutely. And opportunities were showing up and people were responding. I mean, social media has been nuts about it. And people are just saying, oh my gosh, I need to hear this. I need to give myself permission. It's it, it's almost becoming a bigger movement than girlfriends, which I didn't predict. Wow. And, and I really thought, no, I only have to work on girlfriends. But this thing kept nagging at me. And so I thought, all right, I, I got to give in. And, um, and we all have those intuitive things like you should do this, but we tell ourselves, no, later, push it off. And, and I'm here to say like, no, when you have that, like do it. And it's so awesome when it's done. <laughs> really awesome wow. when it's done. And, and it's cool to me because I'm, I'm starting to put this all together. I have a couple notes here, but I'm pretty much going off the cuff. Like I, I see goal friends and then permission grants. It, it's all like, it seems like your vision is crystal freaking clear. Like you're in it to help women. You're in it to help. Like what you're saying, like in the limousine really touched me. It's like for so long, you just hid. You, you knew you were excellent. Like you were doing excellent things, but you, you didn't feel like you're important enough to have a voice. Is that sort of what goal friends and permission granted is all about? I, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, that's, that's what it's meaning to me right now. And it, it's almost has me in tears how, how you're trying to help specifically women stand up for themselves, have a voice, um, do what they want to do, change careers if they, they want to be more, um, man. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it really is that. And it was, it, and, and people say like, Oh, it must be easy for you. It's like, no, it was not easy. I, I can play the comparison game all day long. I can tell myself I'm not as smart as Jack. I'm not what he is, but I'm smart in a different way. And I've been cheerleading that for 31 years and I'm a great cheerleader. If you coach with me, I'm not going to let you out of it. You're going to get it done. But I had to become my own cheerleader, which was very different. And I'm sure you understand when you started your podcast, you know, it's not like you're going to get a paycheck from the organization. Now it's up to you and everything's on you. And it's, it's a different level of being seen. There's a different level of having a failure. There's, you know, all this stuff comes up and it's, I don't even think I articulated it that way. It was just, I just, it was, it was hard. It was really, really hard. I actually got the book two days ago and I, I started crying. I'm like, why am I crying? This is an Amazon book. I mean, it's not New York times, but it was just like, oh my gosh, I did this. And I did it with 20 other amazing women that have learned so much over the last couple of years running, going through my courses on permission granted and what they've accomplished because I was there to say, you can do this. It's what I would say to my daughters. If I had them, it's what I say to my son's girlfriends, you know, I'm, I'm there for you. I will be that rock. No judgment. Just you got to do whatever's on your heart. You, you can't not do it because when we do that, we're denying why we're on the planet. I think we're all put here for a reason. We all have a purpose. 
And when we can find it out sooner than later, the world is a better place. And I think it's crazy. Like going through school for me was always tough. Like I can't count or, or I could count on one hand the amount of times that I actually spoke up, that I actually asked a question instead of uh, being mean to someone or something like that, just because I was so frustrated. I, I was sitting in those seats and I, I felt that I, I wasn't smart. Like I was in math and just struggling and, and I couldn't get anything right in my junior year of high school. And I was just... I, I didn't have that voice. It's funny how some of those um, those loops happen again. A year ago, I wanted to start a podcast, but I really didn't start it until two months ago when I needed something because COVID was, hap was happening and I had to pivot all over the place. And there's certain places that I, or certain things that I do that I just cannot pivot. I, the, the government will not let me run them. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think it's, it's, once you start to find your voice and once you start having that confidence and you stop letting fear rule your decision-making, it's so powerful. Like we've only done, your episode will probably be 22 or 23 episodes where we're very, but that's all happened in two months. And I've met so many amazing people that I know will if I shoot them an email, they're like, oh yeah, of course, you just use this software or, or of course I'd do that for you or what can I do for, for other people? And so that's why all the, the different things that you're talking about right now just connect with me. I, I wish this, uh, this goal friends were for dudes too. So I could, I could hang out. We're going to do Goldman. You're going to do some Goldman? Yeah. And we, and we, instead of, um, instead of saying collaboration, we say we're going to go elaborate. So we have a whole dictionary of G words, like get your PhD. If you don't there like it, go. give it a colectomy. Like we just make, we're trying to make it fun and kind of gamify it. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have something for you. Don't worry, but you can teach everybody else how to run a podcast because lots go. of people want to learn how to do that. And it's the new way. And we are looking at this, we're calling it the new better instead of the new normal. And how oh. can we, how can we embrace this? And you know, what are the gifts that we all have? I mean, I've never in my life, spent more time with my kids and my husband and my boys now are 22 and 25. And so right. it's been pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, these, these times I, I just heard from our school district that we're going online again. And I know a lot of people are kind of like, oh, what am I going to do? Where am I going to put my kids? I don't have daycare now, no preschool. It's going to be so stressful. To me, I try to look on that bright side. There's never going to be a time in my life where I am home this much. I'm able to play with them so much. And they're, they're three, five, and seven. I mean, how cool is that? Usually I'd be at the school for 10 hours. You know, yeah. now I'm at, le at least here and, and can spend that time with them. Teaching somebody else's kids. Now you get to teach your own. Your, oh, your yeah. story was funny about the kids or your, your, your child coming to the door. I remember <laughs> I was doing... A huge radio show for Chicken Soup for the Christian Soul, and it was in the Bible Belt, so it's like a different level of Christian. And I was nervous. It was Easter Sunday, and my mom comes into my office. It's a bedroom, really, and I'm laying on this bed. I'm doing this interview, and the guy's grilling me, like making sure you're not a wolf in sheep skin, you know. And my mom's like, "Honey, the turkey's done." And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I finally get off the interview of an hour. I said, "Mom, don't." ever do that again. I mean, was, so, so yeah, we all have to deal with things of working at home and having, you know, other people in our environment when we're doing things like this. But yeah. I think everybody knows that it's just what's real. And, 
you know, we, it's transparency. I mean, I've had people say, did you see my husband walk past me on Zoom? I said, oh, I saw a shadow. Like, oh, good, because he was naked. I mean, like, all kinds <laughs> of good things are happening, you know? Jeff almost posted the other day. He was taking, we're doing this thing called Clean Up Your Messes for our challenge. And he yeah. took a picture of his wife cleaning out their medicine cabinet. But he had just gotten out of the shower and he was naked. And so she's like, well, let me check the picture because I want to make sure I look good. And she's like, honey, you're naked in this picture. <laughs> just doesn't even realize it it's just like a whole new world for all of us but you know we're all in it together it, we are all in it together and that's the piece Carl that's probably the saving grace no one is above this and and so we have to have the compassion and the patience and we have to focus on the positive what are the gifts that we're being given right now and who can we serve and if we stay in that vibration we will survive and also how can we be healthy you know, so many people are focused on getting sick. I'm like, my God, there's so much out there for you to stay healthy. Like right. eat well, get exercise. You know, it's, it's a kind of, it's not hard with today's technology. So it's, it's all been an interesting few months. And uh, people say, gosh, I wish I'd known it was going to go on this long. I would have started working out day one. I'd look like a bodybuilder. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm right there. I, I'm right there with you trying to eat a little bit healthier and just like, if I just knew that I would be here for six or seven months straight, I would be ripped by now. I, 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 would, I would have my stuff together. But anyway, Patty, it's been awesome. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today as we get out of here. Uh, in order to grow the podcast, we need your help. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and tell a friend about every episode you find value in and share the episode on your favorite social media platform. If you like the episode, please rate the episode and leave us a review. You can find us at Against All Average on all your favorite social media platforms and at againstalleverage.com. Another big shout out to Patty Aubrey and this episode's sponsor, Fame Home Services. And with that, we thank you for listening to the Against All Average podcast. We'll see you next time.